we go. I don't know, that song had a little bit of a beat to it right there. I don't have any beat, so I was feeling like I wanted to do something, but I withheld. So maybe somebody can get up here and preach one day, has a little beat to there, and they can kind of like, you know, roll with that. But moving along. Good to be back again. Good to see each one of you here this morning. We had a great time last weekend, even though we didn't have service here. We did have a phenomenal weekend. We were able to partner with the Houston Dream Center in Splendora, and we went out there, and for each one of you that were there, each one that brought family members that volunteered, we poured into them, we served that community. As we served them, they served so many others, and so it was exciting to be able to partner with somebody and do so much. So thank you for being there. Uh, we then partnered around the city of Houston, I think over 200 churches partnered together and were able to do a lot. It's amazing when you partner with somebody else and you just don't try to do everything on your own. Good principle in life is find somebody doing something good and partner with them. God is a great partner to have. You don't need to sit in the driver's seat with God, but just come along, get in the car, see what God's doing, and partner with him in all that he's doing. And that we had the opportunity to do that and watch God do some amazing things as we sowed back into our community. Listen, the church can't always be a place that just gets. The church must be a place that gives. I said the church, some of y'all didn't understand that. The church must be a place that gives. We're constantly saying, come to service. Give your tithe. Give your time. The church must be a place. And those things are helpful and they're needed in each one of our lives. But it also must be a place that is also pouring back out. It's not a retainer that we pull all this in and then we hoard over it and we just keep it right here and go, hey, look what we have. No, what we have is going to be redistributed back out. So the energy and the resources that come in, the spirit of it is going to be poured back out. We had a great opportunity to do that. As well, yesterday also was the culmination of a great small group. Now, small groups are still happening, but the Freedom Small Group ended yesterday with the Freedom Conference. And if you don't understand what that means, Freedom Small Group is a group that I believe every single person at the Avenue should go through. It's a 13-week commitment. And if you're not sure about it, and if you're like, I don't know, talk to anybody that went through Freedom, and you will be quickly convinced I need to try that. That's all. I'm, so, I'm asking just try it. Just be a part of it. Yesterday was a great day. And we celebrate everybody that completed that. Small group season still runs until the end of May. And then we'll have summertime. And we'll relaunch small groups again the 1st of August. So we're excited for that as well. So, hey, if you have your Bible, turn with me to the book of James. The book of James, chapter 1. Growth Track is tonight as well. If you're like, well, what's Growth Track? Growth Track is a place that you can take your next step to becoming a part of the Avenue. If you're wondering how do I become a member here, how do I find out more about the Avenue, Growth Track is tonight at 6 p.m. You can sign up online, myavenue.church. You'll see a link there for Growth Track. That is your next step to take. And from there, you can talk to Pastor Brandon and Pastor Lori. They'll host you there. You can bring your kids as well to that moment. And they'll have a great time. They'll talk to you about who, the church, answer any questions you have, then also help you discover who you are. Because as I just said a moment ago, we're asking you to join the church, but then also discover who you are so God can use you and your life to discover the purpose you have, why you're here, what you're doing here, and the gifts that you hold in your life, and how you can give those back to the church and to the community as well. So Growth Track is the next step for some of you that are looking to move into relationship with the Avenue here as well. Okay, James chapter 1. We're about to begin a brand new series this morning on the book of James. I got real fancy in this series, and I just called it James. 
I couldn't come up with anything clever. It's just called James. But I really want to zero in on it. So what I want to ask you to do is I want you to read the book of James throughout this series. For the month of May, we're going to study the book of James. Now, many of you say, well, what's a series? A series is just a collection of talks. So instead of each Sunday, just the pastor getting up and just shotgunning a message, and we're not sure what is going to be talked about or where he's coming from, we just do series so we have an idea, a theme, if you will. And for four weeks, we have a collection of talks. Sometimes it runs a little bit longer. That's okay, but it keeps us all on the same page. So we're going to be studying through the book of James in this series. And as we do, I want to give you a homework assignment and ask you to read. It's only five chapters. Read the book of James throughout the month of May. You're like, well, do I read one chapter a week? You can read the whole thing as many times as you want. The more you read it, the more you'll learn. The more you'll grow, the more you'll stretch yourself. What if you read the whole thing four times? Once a week, you've read the whole book. Some of y'all looking at me like, that's asking a lot. We're going to read it here as well. If you have your Bible, I want you to dive into it. Let me give you a little bit of backdrop, a little bit of context for who James is. James is the half-brother of Jesus. The half-brother of Jesus. Many people don't understand that after the Virgin Mary gave birth to Jesus, got married to Joseph post-Jesus' birth, they went on to have more children of their own. No more of the Holy Spirit overtaking Mary. So they were half-siblings, boys and girls, of Jesus. James, the writer of the book of James, is a half-brother of Jesus. Now think about this, because James comes really strong. The book of James is in your face. James doesn't hold back. James is aggressive in his approach to talking to you about who Jesus is. But I think it comes from this place. How many of you have siblings? You have siblings. Could you imagine if your sibling tried to convince you they were God? Could you imagine trying to convince your sibling you were God? James, I'm God. James knew all about Jesus, grew up with him, saw him, looked up to him, big brother. James got thoroughly convinced this man living in my house, my mom and dad, we grew up together, that's God. That is a really good hint for you and I to realize Jesus was who he said he was if he could convince his sibling he was God. I got siblings. None of them would believe me. Sometimes they question a lot of things about me. James is in this place, and it really should strengthen our faith and encourage us to believe God is who he says he is. Okay, here we go. James chapter 1, verse 1. We're not going to read the whole chapter this morning. We'll just pick through it. James, a servant of God, of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's writing this letter to the 12 tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. So he's writing this to Jewish people that have been scattered. James is an elder, a pastor in the city of Jerusalem. Jesus has gone back to heaven. He's given the great commission, going to the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And I give you authority. So the, the apostles, the disciples are doing this. The church is growing, but persecution comes. So the church is being persecuted. People are dying for their faith. People are losing their life because they give their life to Jesus. People are not happy about Jesus and what he stands for, obviously. 
So now people have to make a decision. When I stand for Jesus, when I give him my life, am I willing to take a step that would cost me something? Families were disowning sons and daughters for doing this. Siblings were walking away from people. You were losing a lot of business and economy if you were in the business world because you gave your life to Jesus. So the Jewish people have scattered because of persecution. Now, there's a whole message in there that oftentimes we complain about persecution, but God uses it to get us to a place he got to get us to. It's not real good English, but it works. So the Jewish people have scattered, but with them goes the message of the gospel as well. So as they're running from Jerusalem and from persecution, you see the gospel spreading to the ends of the known world. They're waiting for a letter. And they're just like, oh, James, the pastor there in Jerusalem, what if he would finally let us know it's safe to come home? Maybe the persecution stops. They get a letter one day. They open up their email. Hey, everybody, James wrote us. James, Pastor James wrote us a letter. You'd be excited you got a letter from Pastor James. And here it comes, and he opens it up, and he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. That's got to start off great. Like, consider it pure joy. That's a good word. Like, yes, he's going to tell us the persecution is done. He's like, talk about it. it's joy, it's happiness, it's good times. Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kinds. Because you know. They have to be thinking the persecution is over, the testing is done. But he says, because you know, as if there's something I'm already supposed to know about what he's going to tell me. He says, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. The testing of your faith produces perseverance. Perseverance is patience, endurance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking Nothing. And I have a feeling that people, the Jewish people scattered around the world, open up this letter and go, this is not the letter we wanted to get. Have you ever prayed to God and got an answer? Not the one you wanted to get. So he's not saying come home. He's not letting us know it's safe to travel. He's letting us know our lives are still in danger. And on top of that, he's telling me to rejoice that I might die, lose everything. Be disowned. And I love these words. He says, that you may be, and this is a word for you and for me right now, mature, complete, not lacking anything. If you don't like the way I say mature, it's because I'm from the north. I know some people say mature. I can't say it. I can't get it in my head. It is what it is point is this, you may be. That would tell us we should be, and you can be mature, complete, and lacking nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, he goes on to encourage them, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given back to you. We all know somebody who gives us stuff because they found fault with you. Look at last Christmas. How many gifts did you get at Christmas? Because somebody decided you needed a new shirt. They found fault with your wardrobe, so they gave you. Father's Day is coming up. 
I'm going to get stuff on Father's Day because people are going to think. People are going to think. Pointing to my kids. People are going to think that's what dad needs. Come find a little fault in that place. And we give gifts. I do the same thing based upon the thing I think you need. God gives wisdom and he doesn't do it finding fault. That is a huge message that we should encourage ourselves with. He's not looking down and despising us. He's not going, hey, stupid, get it together. He's going, you're so smart to ask for wisdom. And I want to give it generously to you. God is trying to make you mature, complete, lacking nothing, and walking in wisdom. Some of us have been going to this church for almost five years now, and you're still lacking a lot because you won't step into the maturity God has for you. That is a hard word, I know. But can we be honest this morning? I told you James doesn't hold back. And a lot of people are going through the same series of tests, having the same conversation over and over because they keep failing the test and they're not realizing what God is trying to do for them and in them. Getting you mature, complete, lacking nothing. So what should I do? I should ask for wisdom. God gives it generously. And there's a promise. It will be given to you. Verse 6, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. How many of y'all know, I just had a birthday come this week, and people were like, what do you want for your birthday? I don't know. I was full of doubt. And if you say, I don't know, when somebody says, what do you want for your birthday? You're going to be like a wave, a, a, a boat being tossed around. I want this. No, I want that. No, I want this. No, I want that. Double-minded. And people eventually don't get you anything, or they just give you a little something because you've never made up your mind what you wanted. Weak illustration, but helpful to understand if you can lock your mind into walking unto God and going, I want more wisdom, so I'm complete, lacking nothing. Yeah. That's what I need. My mind is set on it. You walk in with faith, not doubting. Oh, it's amazing how God locks into that. But if you walk in there going, God, I don't know. I don't know what I need. I don't, I'm not sure what I need. I, I might need this. I might need that. You just look like a ship just being torn apart by the wind and the waves of life. This person should not expect to receive anything from God. And such a person is double-minded and unstable, not reliable, can't count on them in anything they do, in anything they do. Look at somebody this morning, just look at them, just say, don't test me. Look at somebody and say, don't test me. As if, listen to me, as if that has a negative kind of, you know this, in marriage, you looked at your spouse and be like, don't test me. You having that conversation, that subject gets brought back up again, don't test me. I can remember my mom and dad telling me that as a child. I've echoed those same words down to my boys. Don't test me. It basically means don't go there. Don't talk about it. I don't want to have that conversation. Don't test me. Why is it that we have approached the subject of testing with such a negative connotation that we resist it and reject it? When in fact, 
Testing is actually the certification that you are mature and complete, and now you lack nothing for the test you just went through. <laughs> Come on. We have oftentimes refused to want to be tested. Don't test me. Look at somebody and say, don't test me. And yet, if you'll receive the test, you'll accept the test, and you've passed the test, you go to graduation. And when you go to graduation, God moves you to the next level. But many Christians wonder why I'm not leveling up, why I'm not advancing, why I'm not growing, why I'm not maturing, why have I not been asked to lead this yet? Why has God not opened up a door for me to do this yet? Because you are resisting the test and not passing it. And every time you do, you go, take another lap. Take another lap. So I want you to do me a favor this morning. <clears throat> this message is called, Pass the Test. I want you to look at somebody, not the, 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 the person you looked at before, you told them, don't test me. I want you to look at the other person. You ignored somebody the first time. Talk to somebody this time and tell them, don't despise the test. Come on, encourage somebody. Don't despise the test. You walk out of here today, I want you to walk out of here this morning full of faith and hope. Don't despise the test. Don't despise the test. Each one of you should walk out of here with the faith today knowing you can be mature, complete, lacking nothing because you can pass the test. Let's pray. God, we thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and lives. God, I'm excited about this series. I'm excited because I know you're going to do things, bring freedom, get into the, our hearts and lives. God, you're going to move people in this church forward that have been stagnant for too long. It's time for us to move. Pass the test. Advance. Graduation season is here. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Now, Oftentimes, many of us have that negative connotation about tests because we don't like taking tests. So I Googled it. 60% of people are highly stressed when taking a test. We have a lot of educators here, a lot of educators, teachers, faculty of school systems in, the, in our congregation. 60% of those in your classroom, and, and you know this better than I do, have a high stress level when taking a test. I, for one, and I think a lot of it is personality and preparedness, okay? Personality and preparation. I, for one, enjoy tests. I don't enjoy them if I know I'm not prepared for one. But I enjoy testing seasons. Like, I enjoy sitting down at a desk and going through a test. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't stress me unless I know it was one of them pop-up quizzes and the teacher didn't give me advance notice and I've been lazy about walking through my studies. Because oftentimes, to pass a test, you memorize for the moment so you can regurgitate on the test, but you forget for a lifetime. I don't know. This message may not go over well. <clears throat> this may not land. I'm, just come back next week if you don't like this one. A lot of times... We will memorize for the moment, regurgitate to pass the test, but we don't apply it to our lives. And we wonder why, and God knows. See, in school it'll work for you, but in God's classroom, it won't. Because he's a discerner of hearts and 
thoughts, motives. He gets down into our soul and knows, have you really learned what I've been trying to teach you? Listen, life is about moving from test to test. Test to test. I grew up, went through school. I had a test as a child to be a good sibling. I had a test as a child to be a good son. I had a test as a child to do different things. I got into high school, not just educational testing, but now I have a test. I'm going to maintain my purity. I have a test. I'm going to live right. I have a test. Am I going to put myself into God's word? I have a test. Am I going to walk through as a person of peace or a person of violence? You get into college and you move forward with your life. I have a test as a single person and all those tests. I get married. Now all the testing is done. I got married. Praise God the test over, I got married. <laughs> See, I told you, everything you learned, if you just learned it to regurgitate it, it's a hard marriage. But if you learned it to apply it, now I can walk something out that I've been in the education system for for a long time. Marriage is one continual test. You got to pass it. Pass it. Will you serve the other person? Will you defer to the other person? Will you lay down your own preferences for the other person? Will you live with a I owe you mentality? Not what can I get from you, but what can I give to you? They're all tests that God gives us. We have to pass. You join a church and you may sit down and go, well, what can I receive? Pastor better preach good today. He better have something for me today. I got out of bed. I skipped golf. I had other things I could do. I could have gone to the gym. Or do you have a mentality, a test that you've passed to go, what can I bring this morning? How can I serve this morning? What good can I do for somebody else today? Life is a continuation of tests over and over and over again. Can you remember the feeling you took taking that test? Test day would come. And you get the test, and it's, thank God for multiple choice. You get the A. A, that sounds good. I'm thoroughly convinced A is the answer. You haven't read anything else. A must be it. I, I should probably read the rest just to make sure. B, oh, that's kind of convincing. Maybe that's it. C, now I'm utterly confused. C always stood for confused. Because I had read A and B, and now I'm at C, confused. Thank God for D. D, all of the above. All of the above. It's got to be. It's got to be all three of them. D, boom, all the above. Thank, uh, multiple choice was like the best thing ever. But it was so many times you're just in this testing moment, in this testing season, and, the, and, and, and you're just going through it. Teacher would say, time is up. Put your pencils down. One minute left. I had a habit, if I didn't know the answers, I chose C every time. C was my letter. I don't know how about, y'all probably had a, a rhythm you kept to, like if I didn't know, it was always going to be C. Got me through. But the point is to not get through, it's to learn. It's to find out. I want to be lacking nothing in my life. And the truth is this, it is a horrible feeling to not be prepared for the test. So no, whether or not you enjoy tests or you don't, the feeling, I believe, is mutual for everybody who is unprepared. 
Let me give you a couple quick thoughts here. What does it feel like when I'm about to be tested? And we're not talking about education anymore. Now we're talking about the testings of life that James talked about. He said, count it all joy. When you're testing, when the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And that testing comes, a lot of times we feel anxiety. I'm worried. I'm stressed. I'm unsettled. I'm uneasy. Some of y'all are going back to eighth grade right now. Like just going back in your minds. And your lives are dominated by anxiety right now because you feel unprepared for the test you're walking through in your faith that is trying to produce patience, endurance, and perseverance so you're perfect, lacking nothing, but you don't feel prepared, so you feel anxious. Number two, you feel unqualified. I don't deserve this. I shouldn't be here. It's funny, as soon as you get made to be a leader, you feel unqualified. As soon as you get like certified a position at work and a, a promotion, you get there the first day and this voice gets in your head, you can't do this. They made a mistake. Why would you accept this? You should have stayed where you were. Don't start that business. You're completely unqualified. God gives you a, vi a vision, a dream. He puts something in your heart. And the enemy will come with the unqualified talk every time, all day, if you let him. I'll never pass this test. And you begin comparing yourself to others. You begin looking around and going, well, look at them. Look at that church. Look at that person. Look at that marriage. And we compare what we know about them publicly to what we know about us privately. And we feel unqualified. I can't tell you the times. I was in the middle of taking a test. And I'd hear the teacher say, one minute. And I have just finished writing my name. Got a long name. Got a lot of letters to put down. I was weird about penmanship. Had to look just right. And you compare yourself to others. You look around the room. Man, they're almost done. They're almost through. And look at me where I'm at. I don't deserve to pass this test. Number three, you might feel confused. I told you C stands for confused. Confused in my mind. I don't know what to do. This is what James was talking about when he said, but you're like a, a boat out there, like the wind and the waves. You're full of doubt and uncertainty. You're confused about it. Am I talking to anybody who's been confused taking a test before? I, didn't, we, I don't remember you talking about this, teacher. You've been there. I don't remember you. What day was this on? We never studied this. Confused. I can't, I've, I've had that conversation with God. God, I know I'm in this right now. We didn't study this before. When I signed up to be a pastor, when I, you know, when I signed my name, I didn't really, but when I signed my name, I didn't realize I had to figure out a lot of other things counseling, architecture, like if we're going to build a building, we got to design it, engineering, cleaning, hospitality, customer service. I thought it was like preaching, visiting hospitals. Then I walk into something and I remember the first funeral I ever did and I was like, I'm very unprepared for this, God. I was a pastor's kid. I went to a lot of funerals. But I can remember the feeling of feeling unqualified and confused. Like, you, you got the wrong guy here. And I'm supposed to be bringing hope to the situation and celebrating this person's life. And it is crazy how many times, it's interesting, the enemy will walk into your test 
and try to distract you and dismay you and cause you to feel unqualified and confused about what you're walking through. And yet God gives us a certainty. And I had to anchor myself and go, no, I am called by God. I may have never done this funeral before. I may have never performed one before, but I know who God is. I know who God is for this person and I can celebrate their life and I can help this family grieve and I can help them celebrate. We're going to see each other again because we have hope in Christ Jesus. And that confidence gets a hold of you and carries you through and eliminates all the confusion. But if you don't have that confidence, you feel that confusion. Number four, you compromise and cheat. How many of y'all cheated on tests? Come on, liars. <laughs> cheating on tests. Writing the answers on your shoes and walking in like... Uh, my, my, my toes hurt. I don't want to put my toes on the ground. Cheating on tests, walking through things, uh, just having a lot of compromise in your life. Willing to compromise your integrity. And looking over at somebody else's paper trying to get an answer. And they give you like this because they have more character than you have. I prayed that the smart people wouldn't show up on test day. Messing with the curve. We have compromised our character and our integrity in this moment, and it causes us to cheat the test, the exam. How many times have you been walking through something, a moment where God wants to lead you and guide you and develop you and move you in your faith and let your faith produce perseverance, and yet you compromise in that moment? You try to cheat the exam and think God won't know, God won't care, I'll never get found out. But let me tell you this, the smaller tests prepare you for the bigger test, because life is consistently one test that follows the next. And oftentimes, if you don't pass the small one, God is so gracious and kind, just like high school will let you retake eighth, ninth grade over and over and over, God will let you take a test over and over and over because God knows it's better for you to retest than graduate and not be ready. There was a school in California a few years back, some of you may remember, who was graduating people from high school who could not read and they're going to college illiterate. And they were graduating them and they were setting them up for failure. Well, we don't want to hurt these people. We don't hurt their feelings. We don't want to crush their emotions. We don't want to crush their dreams. God is so good to us, he won't set us up for failure. He'll let us retake the test. But oftentimes we despise the test and despise God in the meantime because he's putting us through the test again. But God is so good, he won't let you walk into your next season un prepared Joseph Joseph was a guy had a vision had a dream about himself 17 years old he saw a dream that his brothers would be bowing down to him Psalm 105 writes it it says this but Joseph he was bruised they bruised his feet with shackles and put his neck in irons 
till he foretold what came to pass, till the word of the Lord proved true for him. So Joseph had this dream at 17 years old, and God's plan was to make him the second most powerful person in the world, and he gave him a dream about it. The challenge is the process to get to that completion of the dream was 13 years. His brothers sold him, lied about him, threw him in prison. He went into a pit. Somebody else lied about him. And he went through so many tests, but he was complete and mature. And the moment he stepped into his purpose as second in command to Pharaoh, providing provision for the entire world and his own people, he was lacking nothing. So as you step into, God, what is my purpose? What am I here for? What am I doing? Let me tell you, I feel like I got, at 16, I can go back a lot of years, but at 16, I can tell you, I really had an encounter with God. I had a moment where I really felt like God was doing something in my life, calling me into ministry. I can tell you, at 16, I was called the pastor, but you didn't want me to be your pastor. Because you go through testing. You go through moments. You go through stuff. And there is a perfecting process. So you'll be complete and lacking nothing. Let me give you three points. Three points in your life to help you in this testing series. Testing season. Number one, write this down. Don't miss the point of the test. It's really easy to miss the point of the test. The point of the test is not to pass the test. So you, hey, I passed it. The point of the test is to learn from the test. That's a teacher, amen, to me in the back. The point of the test is to learn from the test, not to pass the test. Passing the test is a byproduct of learning the material. Don't miss the reason for why God is trying to mature you. Testing produces perseverance. There's a couple questions I ask God when I'm going through a test. When I'm walking through something, ask God. One, what are you trying to teach me? You should write these down. What are you trying to teach me? what are you trying to teach me God so instead of getting angry I ask what can I learn as I walk through this number two God can you help me learn this quickly I ask God this a lot can can this be like a, a quick test and I believe this I believe this the duration of the test is often up to me if I will learn what God is teaching me I'll move on from it. But the longer the test takes is often because the slower I am to learn. And oftentimes, God works through the testing of my life, but the duration is on me. There's a saying in high school that says, C's get degrees. You've heard that. C's get degrees. And I've said it. We've heard it. But a lot of times it's a cop-out. A lot of times it's a give up. And in life, we get through it and we go, I'm just going to memorize the material. I'm just going to get there. I'm just going to get through it. But what if you actually looked at your test and welcomed it so well and said, you know what? I'm excited about this test. 
I'm excited about this moment because I get to learn something I didn't know before. I'm going to become more complete. I'm not going to lack that thing any longer. I'm going to bring more to the table. I'm going to be a better husband, better pastor, better friend, better man, better person. I'm going to have more wisdom about this subject than I've ever had before. What if I look forward to the test and thought, wow, this is the best thing that could happen to me. I would not have a perspective that said, C's get degrees. I'd want to ace it. It's about the way you're looking at it. Do you despise a test or do you anticipate it? Oh, if you would only stop despising the test, it would clear up your frustration, your anger, your resentment, your bitterness, your frustration would leave. Number two, write this down. Greater tests bring greater character when we pass the test. The greater the test, the greater character when we pass the test. Character is not automatic. It is when you pass the test, you see the results now built into your character. The moment you said, I'm not going to cheat on my taxes, you built integrity into your character as an individual. You didn't have it before because the opportunity was there to compromise and cheat. But the moment you moved beyond it and said, you know what, I'm going to pass the test. I'm going to be honest. Jesus said, give the Caesar what Caesar, give the God what's God. Some of us have challenge with that because we're not tithing. We're not giving to God. And we wonder why. God, why am I still wondering about this? Why am I still confused about my resources and my money? And you haven't passed the test of what your money and the purpose of it and the challenge and the conviction in your life. And you're going around this mountain over and over. But when you build the character in your life and you choose, I'm going to do things. God, listen to me. We don't get to make up the questions on the test. I don't get to choose which ones I want to answer and which ones I don't. I live my life submitted to the test. There it is. And as I pass it, character is developed into my life. That's when I become perfect, lacking nothing. Got that. Boom. Got integrity. Here we go. Got honesty. Here we go. So ask yourself this question. Do you believe God is preparing you for something right now? You've got to answer that question. Because a lot of times you despise a test if you haven't answered that question. But if you know, God, I know you're preparing me for something right now. I'm in the preparation stage right now. You don't despise a test, but you actually look forward to it. Love this scripture. David said this. I'm sorry, Paul said this. Eye has not seen and ear has not heard and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those that love him. I'm not where I was because I passed the test. And I'm going to embrace the process right now because I'm going to be where God wants me to be. And some of you go, well, I failed. Re-enroll. Go back to school. Not high school. Go back into God's education process and go, God, here I am. I'm back again. You quit. You failed. You gave up. 
You feel like you flunked the course. It's not over. God is gracious and good. He'll let you retake the test again. He wants you perfect, complete, lacking nothing. But you have to believe I'm being developed and tested for a purpose greater than I can imagine, bigger than I can think. You understand this church's impact will be far greater than what you see right now with your physical eyes. But we're being tested to see, do we have the faith to persevere? Are we going to fold up, give in, walk away? Well, you know, we're still putting up these chairs and these curtains and I don't know. It just doesn't seem to be coming together. We may as well pack it in and walk away. No, we will endure. We'll be patient. We'll have perseverance so that when we have a building, when we have land or whatever is next, I don't know, maybe we step into a a lease, whatever it might be, God has prepared us for what's next by developing us right now. I talked to a single guy last night, and he said, what's the number one piece of advice you give to married people? I said, work it on yourself. Work on yourself. Single person, stop trying. I'm all in for praying for your spouse. Pray for yourself a lot. If you'll work on you, 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 I don't think I can go any higher. You, if you'll work on you, you will be amazed how seasons change. That may be prophetic for somebody because God doesn't want you to walk into that next season of relationship the way you are. He wants you to be lacking nothing. He's preparing you. Let faith produce perseverance. There's different tests we walk through. A trust test. Can I trust him with my sins? Can I trust him with my present right now? Can I trust him with my future? There's kid tests. Can I trust God that he can trust me with these kids? There's a money test we talked about. There's a marriage test. There's a health test. There's a career test. There's so many tests that we're all walking through because God has something greater for you. Number three, write this down. You're not taking this test alone. You're not alone. When you feel like you're all alone, you're not alone. there's a lie there's a misguided truth that we all heard people say God will not give you more than you can handle you've heard me say it before and I'm going to repeat it again because I'm going to beat this lie into the ground now the Bible does tell us in 1 Corinthians 10 31 he will not give you he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can stand and he'll always give you a way out a door of escape speaking of temptation and we may get into that next week But as far as testing goes, I have often felt overwhelmed. I've often felt stressed out. I've often felt like I'm in over my head. How do I pastor a church that don't have a church? As a matter of fact, I can attest to it. Many times I've had way on my plate way more on my plate than I can handle like many of you have that's why Psalm 55 22 encourages me cast your burden on the Lord 
and he will sustain you. He will never let the, never permit the righteous to be moved. Psalm 61, 2, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. You remember that game, hot potato you used to play, hot potato, hot potato, that's how you do with God. You get overwhelmed. I'm holding this in my hands. That's what we did this morning after worship. That's what I tried to get you to do. Release it back to God. Play hot potato with God. Oh, God, it's too much. I can't handle it. What do I do with it? Give it to God. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock. What is David saying? He's saying, lead me back to you. But oftentimes, in the test, when the fire is hot and the heat is on, we get led back to somebody else, to an old fling, to a bar, to an addiction, to a problem, to a codependent relationship. We get led. The question is not, will you be overwhelmed? The question is, when you are overwhelmed, where will you go? Where will you run? You pass the test when you feel overwhelmed and you don't scatter. You don't flee. You don't run. You don't cave. You don't give in. You don't back down, but you stand firm and say, God, I feel overwhelmed. I feel stressed out. It's more than I can take, but you've called me to it and I can get through because in Christ, I'm more than a conqueror. I'm more than victorious. God knows. <clears throat> he knows you can't handle it alone. He's designed it that way. He's designed every test in my life that as it comes along, the way to pass is to come back to him. That's sneaky. That's sneaky God right there. Sneaky Jesus. I'm trying to get one biased, but we figured Jesus out. We figured him out, guys. The point is when you get to that place and you feel overwhelmed, don't run from him. Run to him. And what is the promise? James 1.12. He goes on the right. He said, blessed are those. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Because having stood the test, having passed the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Your desire should be to have God put a crown of life on your head when you get to heaven and go, you endured, you persevered, you made it, you passed the test. I know you may feel alone, helpless, frustrated and tired. Some of y'all have walked through hell on earth and you're tested. God is with you. You are not alone. And a message like this really hits a lot of places. Lands in a lot of different applications. But for each one of us, when I am overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Would you stand with me? A lot of times we look at somebody else and we think, I wish I had their life. I wish I had that stuff. 
I wish our church had that building. I wish my marriage looked like that. I wish my kids behaved that way. I wish I had that gift, that talent. We want all the stuff. You don't want to walk through what they walk through to get that stuff. And you're walking through stuff right now. And if you want to give up, back down, cave in, let this word encourage you. Pass the test. When Luca was real little, he's nine now. We were visiting somebody and they had a lock on the bedroom door. And he had gotten inside the room and somehow locked himself in the door. And I don't know why, but I got a strange skill set to pick locks. I couldn't get this lock picked, but he was losing his mind. Alone in the room, it was dark, the light was out, this little guy, like one, maybe one and a half, not two. Just, you know, when they're just moving around like that. Didn't know how the door got locked, couldn't reach the handle, couldn't turn on the light. And to calm him down, it had a big gap under the bottom of the door. I reached under the door. Luca, Luca, Luca! Grab daddy's hand. Grab my, grab my hand. He reaches down, I could, I could see his fingers. And I just held his hand. And his crying stopped when we held hands. And what's amazing was his situation did not change, but he figured out he was no longer alone in the room by himself. And for some of you this morning, God is reaching out to you going, I need you to pass this test. You get through this door. You get to the other side. You don't have to be afraid. There's something here waiting for you that I prepared just for you. Your eyes haven't seen it. Your ears haven't heard it. Your mind can't imagine it. But it's going to be good. But you have to pass the test. And here's a test for each one of us. The worship test. The worship test. Well, I'm not in the worship pastor. That's for her. That's for him. I'm not into this lifting my hands. You ain't got to be in to lift your hands. Our Bible encourages encourages us to. I'm not into singing. I don't know the words. I don't know them either. That's why I put them on the screens. I forget them every week. The worship test is not about outwardly anything being exhibited. It's about inwardly you going, God, I know my circumstance has not changed. But on this side of it right here, I know you're with me. I'm not alone. And I'm going to say thank you for the victory. I believe I'll pass the test. And instead of getting past the test and then having a graduation party because you succeeded, on this side of it, you go, start planning a party, baby, because I'm coming through. Start putting helium in the balloons. Get the confetti cannons ready. Start celebrating on this side because the test is coming and I'm going to pass it and we're going to have a party there so we may as well party here. So I'm going to lift my hands because I remember, come on, I remember how good God has been. He has been good to me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. That side of the test, this side of the test, no matter where I go and I will celebrate and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever uh, this morning I've asked the band just to sing that through just sing the bridge and the chorus a little bit and they're going to sing it through and you're going to get the opportunity because I can't let you walk out of here just feeling encouraged you got to start passing the test and go God here it is hot potato back to you
You gotta let your stress, your anxiety, your frustration, your bitterness, your resentment, all of it go and release it and say, God, here it is. What a great song to practice that in. All my life you've been faithful, God. If you don't know the words, we're gonna put them on the screen. Maybe you need to close your eyes. Maybe you just need to process. But whatever you do, get into a mode of worship right now. A mode of worship that says, I will rejoice. I will rejoice. This test is nothing. I've got it figured out. I've turned it to God. somebody else that needs to be here, you got to bring them. That's not manipulation and that's not leverage. That's you applying the, the influence you have in their lives and going, God put me on your, your you on my heart. You got to be here. And I think for each person watching online here in the room, we all have a test. We all have a test. Sometimes I feel like I'm in a chair spinning, taking multiple tests. I'm going to encourage you this morning not alone it's a great test because it's greater on the other side don't miss the point of the test just lift your hands up comfortable you are comfortable whatever it is just lift them up this is ministering to you speaking to you God's talking to you this morning just lift your hands as if you're giving it back to God God here it is Father thank you for your goodness and your mercy and your grace, your love. Chases after me. Let us be found perfect, lacking nothing. The testing of our faith. Do we really believe God is who God says he is? Test my faith and see, God, I will always serve you, trust you, believe in you. And I will persevere so that I may be lacking nothing. You, church, avenue, you can be perfect and complete, lacking nothing in God. But don't give up. God, thank you for the test. Tell God right now, thank you for the test. Thank you for the test. I embrace the test. I embrace it. Thank you for it. I don't resent it. Give us the grace 
the wisdom. And right now, if anybody here lacks wisdom, ask of God. Just ask of God. Just make it known. It's simple. How do I ask God for wisdom? You just ask. God, give us wisdom. Wisdom in our marriages. Wisdom in our churches. Wisdom with our money. Wisdom with our parenting. Wisdom as we, as our teenagers. Wisdom in our relationships. Wisdom in our singleness. Wisdom, God, in every area. Wisdom in my career. Give me wisdom to apply in every situation of my life. I doubt nothing. I know who you are. I believe you are who you say you are. And I receive your wisdom. In Jesus' name. Put your hands down. Just keep your eyes closed for a moment. Let me talk to one person. Because I believe God's doing something amazing in our lives this morning. You're going to walk out of here and it may be like Luca in that room. On the outside, nothing's changed, but inside is what matters. And you have a peace you've never known before. But somebody may have walked in here this morning and be far from God and doesn't know him. And you feel distant. You're like, I got to get my life back in alignment or I just need to meet this Jesus you've been talking about all morning. And this is a perfect place and a perfect time just for you. If today you say, I want to know him like I never had before, it's simply putting your faith and trust in him that he forgives all your sins and he becomes your savior. It's a simple yet significant decision you make. It's the exchange you make. You say, God, I want you in my life. I recognize I'm a sinner. Forgive me and make me new. And if that's you this morning, I want to pray with you. I'm going to pray with you across this room. The entire church is going to pray. And we're going to make a declaration of prayer together out loud that God is our savior. Come on, pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of all of my sins. Become my Savior. You are my God. I will serve you my whole life. I will persevere. And I will endure that I may receive the crown of life that you have promised to your people. I am yours and you are mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Come on, celebrate one time, church. Come on, celebrate God's goodness, His mercy, and all that He's doing for us.